Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. Alright, what's up, Dragon Keepers? This is Phantology, your host, Steven, and I have to apologize for my uh, poor setup and possibly audio quality since I'm moving this weekend, but needed to get this review of House of the Dragon Episode 2 in, which is why we have our Grand Maester, Hayden, back, and my lifelong friend, Ryan. So guys, let's do this. Did you just relocate to Dragonstone? Uh, I mean, it seems like a, a decently like defensible place. So I uh, know I, I didn't, but I, I liked, I liked the visuals there. So I could see myself moving there maybe one day. The internet's just not quite as good where you're at. And I figure just being in a former volcano stone keep might yeah. contribute to that a little <laughs> bit. I could see that interfering. <laughs> I think we saw, we saw some of Dragonstone in Game of Thrones, but not like the big exterior shot that we saw in uh, in episode two here where they were dramatically like facing off on that little walkway. I thought that was probably my favorite part of the episode. It was it was definitely interesting. I, I mean, I didn't imagine Dragonstone like that in my mind, and I don't remember seeing it in the original Game of Thrones show. I'm sure it was there. But well, there were I... some moments like when Stannis, Stannis, most mostly the Stannis moments and the ones where like Melisandre was you know, birthing his dark child, like that was all a Dragonstone. Yeah, and in those later seasons, we definitely see the outside as well. So it, oh, do it we? looked the okay. same as it did, yeah, in, in the oh, okay. original show. Okay, so I guess I don't even remember Dragonstone except in the later it, seasons. Yeah, except it looked more like dark and dreary this time with like fog and stuff. I don't know, but cool. Mm. It looked kind of like the Great Wall of China where they met mm. up. <laughs> could see that. Yeah, that walkway. Yeah. From where they get off the boat and then walk to the castle. It's really cool. So that that was my favorite part of the episode. What were uh, what were your guys' favorites? Favorite scenes, favorite characters, whatever. Yeah, I've got to say that 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 Dragonstone scene was definitely the the most heated moment um, of the episode. It seemed really. Uh, I loved the dialogue. I really enjoyed the dialogue, and I loved Rhaenyra showing up as well to that. That's what I was gonna say with the uh, with the like cloud slash fog cover, and then yeah, you just see cool the ripple effect. of it as there's a dragon mm-hmm. flying under it, and then um, what's her dragon's name? Carax, Carax, Cyrax, Cyrax. Oh yeah, so right as Cyrax. So hers is Cyrax, and but uh, Damon. I thought Damon's was Caraxes, right? Caraxes, yes. Okay, yeah. so similar sounding names. Yeah. Okay. And the egg that was stolen was from Sunfire? The egg was from Dreamfire. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A lot of dragons. And we've (laughs) we've only seen we've only seen two so far, right? Right. Yeah, we've heard of uh, Dreamfire and Vagar. And supposedly they animated like 17 for this show. Yeah. See, I'm I'm just really excited to see Vagar when we do. Apparently he's 
kind of like MIA right now. But they like said that they hear him uh-huh. on uh Driftmark, you know. Vagar, cool. so Vagar was one of the dragons, like the originals that came over with Aegon, right? One of his sisters. The Senyo's dragon, yeah. Well, okay. I think I think Vagar was actually well, I, I, I just read, so I started Fire and Blood. So nice. Valerion's the only dragon that actually came from Valyria. Right. The other dragons, including Vagar, were hatched on Dragonstone. That's right. Oh, so they say that Vagar has a memory of Valyria because she was like the, the egg was laid in Valyria. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not, I don't understand that. It, yeah, Vagar doesn't have Vagar never saw Valyria, at least from what we know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I liked so this is this is me kind of speculating on what we're going to see later in this, in this season, but I really liked the, and by the way, if you're listening and you like, don't want to have any spoilers for fire and blood or what we think might happen, like based off the history, we know, then, you know, just, you know, that, that might happen. But um, I liked the conversation that uh, Viserys and, oh, what's her name? Liana, Leia, Le- uh, Corliss's daughter. Lena. Right. Lena. Yeah. yeah. Cause she was talking about Vagar. And she rides Vagar later on, right? Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. And and they've they've said his name a couple of times, and so okay. Uh, so he, up to this point, um, or I mean, at this point right now, Vagar's got to be the biggest, baddest dragon around, right? Because Valerion right. has has passed away. Vagar is the the biggest, the oldest, and the biggest dragon alive at this time. Okay. And Ryan, from your uh, from our previous recording before the season started, uh, you were like speculating where, or we, we were trying to figure out where Balerion was, and I think we did confirm that that is his skull hanging in the Red Keep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just yeah. clearing that up from last time. Uh huh. Yeah, and we see. I love that they've talked a lot about Balerion as well. It's mentioned. Viserys says a couple of times that Balerion was the last dragon to see you know, Valyria and in, in all its glory. And I wonder if that's like hinting at something that maybe we don't know mm. for the future of the story or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe he was bonded, um, you know, to, to Valerion in a way that he could see through his eyes or something. I don't know. Just wild mm. theories I think about, but. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I do love the connection to old Valyria. And the the little model, the intri- intricate uh, yes. model there, that's also kind of reflected in the title sequence. That's cool, and I'm really glad they're like leaning back into this kind of mystery of the Targaryen, and really the mystery of the whole world is the Doom of Valeria. Yeah, we have that new title sequence, and yeah, just the blood flowing from Valeria, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and and seeing where it all connects. I think it's really really cool and also i think you know foreshadowing for things to come so i i mean this this is the first episode that's showed the intro and i mean the game of thrones music obviously is incredibly difficult to beat and so there's that nostalgia that i mm-hmm. instantly had when when i saw the intro for the first time but then there was also kind of this like i, I don't know maybe a little bit of sadness i wanted the show to kind of set itself apart a little bit from game of thrones and it's okay. hard to do that when you keep the same exact theme song mm. i could see Good that point. I w- yeah 
I, I do wonder why they didn't come up with the new theme song. Yeah. Hmm. And they're using the name Game of Thrones for the whole thing, you know? Right. Um, so is every using... spinoff going to feature that song? I, th- I think they're trying to build a whole world, you know, and have like this show canon that's continuous and uh-huh. all is coherent. So hmm. I, I get why they did it. And I love, I'm a sucker for the theme song. So yeah, I was just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's a phenomenal song. And I mean, I think I would have been also a little sad if it wasn't the same song, because I would have been like, oh man, it's, it's different. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. think I'm just I mean, picking. Maybe we need like a, a remix, more of a remix of the song. Yeah, maybe that with some, I don't know, different instrumentals or, you know, you can, you can mix it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We are getting a remix of a lot of the, the music and that sounds really good. So we talked about the dragons quite a bit, which is appropriate considering Ryan's opinion from our last episode where he said he only cared about the dragons. But uh, what, what do we think about the human characters? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't care for them. That's not what the show's about. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like them. I think that the Viserys, okay, the actor who plays him has been great. So the actor who plays Damon Targaryen, I think his name is Matt Smith. He's the he's the from Doctor Who as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, he looks a little strange to me. I I don't know. I mean, he's I got very strong seem, features. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a very Targaryen look to me i mean and not that i'm like the best person to say like that person looks like a targaryen or that person doesn't look like a targaryen i don't know just in my own mind he doesn't look very much like a targaryen but i mean his acting's been great so i think it's just a matter of time for Uh for him to kind of settle in in my mind as damon targaryen Mm -hmm. i mean the whole settling in in viewers minds is tricky because like after eight seasons of you know, having an idea of what the show is to then go to the, you know, the ne- the next show, which is still like the same, but it's different. It's, it's a little tough. I can see people taking some time to settle in. Yeah, that, yeah that's definitely. how I feel personally. Um, I thought the series was really kind of not pathetic, but he's just really like kind of a wimpy king, but in a good way, like he's not just this caricature of, of being a wimp. He's like a, in an understandable human way, you can see like, yeah, like he wants to be a strong king, but at the same time, he's just like not really able to make the personal sacrifice or like have the the boldness to possibly make a mistake. So he does the safe things by like, yeah, let's kind of push this war in the step zones down the road. Let's like continue kicking this can down the road a little bit longer. And like, yeah, he doesn't really want to marry. Uh, oh, I forgot her name again. Lena? Mm-hmm. yeah he doesn't really want to marry her he's like, eh, you know Alicent is kind of pretty and she's here so I'll marry her instead <laughs> it makes sense but it's and it doesn't like make you hate him but at the same time it's like yeah you know come on man I like how we saw Damon's kind of Damon's love uh, for Viserys in this episode when he's talking to Corliss and he, mm-hmm. he tells Corliss like you don't speak of my brother like I can but you can't <laughs> And uh, I think that that was really telling to to Damon's character. And Damon, 
I can tell loves Viserys and tells him like it is, you know, Damon straight up told Viserys, you are weak, you know, you are not um, fit to be ruling right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have the whole throne thing happening as well, where he's getting chopped up by the throne. And uh, that's another, you know, little hint that he's not fit to rule. And then we see in his decision making in this episode that he's making very weak decisions, you know, by not letting Rhaenyra go to Dragonstone in the first place to settle that conflict and then to just go behind everyone's back and marry Alicent. I mean, except for Otto. That's what Otto wanted the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this sh- this episode especially shows how easily manipulated Otto or Viserys is by Otto because Viserys views Otto as just like his best friend, you know, his closest confidant, and Otto is just using him the whole time. And you see, like everybody around, like giving him sound advice um to like marry lena i mean i obviously understand i wouldn't want to marry a 12 year old um so i understand viserys's hesitations there a 14 year old is much better (laughs) yeah Yeah. i guess (laughs) um and but like there was that moment where like i feel like otto was you know very conniving he's like thinking like i can't really dispute this logically and then he was just like and then he's like I just love my wife so much and I miss uh-huh. her so much. And, you know, he just played that card so well for Viserys uh, to be like, wow, he gets me, you know, he gets me. He knows, he knows like, and, mm. and maybe like I should look for somebody else who could be a good companion. I think that mm. that scene was like very telling about the relationship and just how masterfully Otto plays him. You know, he reminds mm-hmm. me just of like a, Peter Baelish character and you know he's the hand of the king so there's obviously some similarities there Mm -hmm. but not like quite as obviously sinister as Littlefinger yeah I guess but I mean was Littlefinger that obvious at the beginning of the series to viewers I think he was okay well but obviously my opinion is tainted there because I like I had read the books right into the series Yeah. yeah Yeah, just kind of the way he talks in the show. Uh, Peter Baelish, you know, seems a little like off-putting. But Otto just seems like, yeah, whatever. And he's, just, he's a normal guy. I think the relationship with Allison as well between, between Otto and Allison is, is interesting and really well-rounded where she's like trying to please her father, but still trying to like, you know find happiness but also she's got her friendship with renara renara so uh she's stuck between a lot of different she's pulled in a lot of different directions which is good setup for what's going to happen later on with all those characters um i think that she it they they've kind of i feel like the writers have done some you know interesting like showing and not telling like showing us how Alicent is very I don't know uncomfortable anxious you know she has the habit of like picking at her fingers and Uh but she like she doesn't necessarily show it in her acting right because she she kind of seems like she's in control but um you know under it all she's she's definitely got some some issues with everything going on and you know she wants 
I, I think she really values her friendship with Rhaenyra, but uh, having not, I, I don't know what happens because I haven't got to that point in Fire and Blood, but I'm guessing there's going to be some, some issues that go down, especially now that, um, that Viserys has, is, mm-hmm. um, said he's going to marry her. So maybe, maybe it's a uh, good guess. It's a good a guess. Baby, a baby <laughs> is going to complicate things in mm-hmm. this relationship. Did you see the like next time on House of the Dragon thing at the end, Ryan? I haven't seen it now. Oh, okay. You got to watch past the credits. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of nice just being totally surprised by. Okay, those sure. Things. There's that. Okay. Then I, I won't, I I won't get tell that. you what's. <laughs> if you guys want to discuss it, that's totally fine you're let's just say you're alluding to like your speculations on what could happen is like pretty good okay um one other thing of imagery uh that that could be pointed out hayden's already pointed some of uh, pointed out some of it with like you know the king being uh kind of pricked by the iron throne and in Mm -hmm. in episode one his finger was cut by the throne right and yeah. in this episode, now his fingers like black with infection, I guess. And so they're trying to, to cleanse it with maggots. And I, I think this is alluding to, I, I, I think somebody might've mentioned this in the discord, but how his hand is like almost betraying him as well. You know, like the hand of the king is. Oh uh, yeah, that's cool. Maybe that, a, yeah. a little. That rock. could be some really cool. Yeah. Imagery foreshadowing. Mm, yeah. I like that. So the biggest difference to me between um, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon so far is the way they're handling the timeline of the two stories, right? With uh, with Game of Thrones, The Song of Ice and Fire, we got a really detailed narrative that just kind of went through pretty pretty streamlined until season eight when everyone you know started jumping around, right? Uh, but but here in this show, we've got a more cursory narrative from George R. R. Martin that they have to fill in which they're doing but they've they've still chosen to add these time skips in so there were six months in between episode one and two uh based off what we saw in the coming next on house of the dragon it looks like there's at least a year before episode three and then we know there are older versions of several of the key uh actresses at least so we're gonna get a significant time jump by the end of this season which kind of sets it apart and makes it maybe a little bit jarring when you're you have to really kind of remember like okay this is what happened six months ago here's where we're at and then you kind of pick up so i, I wonder I, I just wonder how they're going to do this they're going to space it out where every episode is a time skip i'm guessing maybe maybe the last few episodes are a little more streamlined to kind of build up to a climax of the season what would you guys make of this uh you know time timeline difference yeah it's a lot to cover and so the way that they're handling it so far, I think is done really well. Um, but going into the the war of the stepstones, like that's a war that's going to last multiple years. And I wonder how many episodes, you know, that's going to span if that will be a focus of the season or um if it will just be like a couple of episodes. Who knows? Mm, yeah. Um I know that, you know, these older characters, uh I don't know if it's spoilers, but it was confirmed that they start about halfway through the season um, with those, okay, the, you know, the older actors. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how, 
how that goes down, but it will be cool to kind of split it up, you know, half and half and see uh, these actors for about, you know, an equal amount of time. So this uh, House of the Dragon was just renewed for season two. Yeah, I think. After, after after episode one, yeah. After uh, after the second episode or after the first no, after, episode? No, after the first episode. Okay. After they had like record numbers of viewers for a uh, HBO premiere, they renewed it. Good choice. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is great news. I mean, so far, I think all of us have, en- have enjoyed it. I've mainly heard positive things from anybody I've talked to about it. Um, do we have any information on how long this show might last? I'm hoping not eight seasons, just because that's kind of a long seven, not eight, right? Seven uh-huh. or six. <laughs> they could. St- I mean, yeah. they could really stretch it. I don't think they're going to though. Yeah, I th- I think they could do at least three seasons in maybe three to five. You know. Mm with all the source material i just feel like shows end up better you know when they have it planned out from the beginning right where they're like we could go to like five yeah. seasons like because if they're they realize that a show is really successful and then they start just trying to like write further and write the ending further and further into the future so they can get as much right. material i think it can kind of harm the writing and in the long term so everything i I don't know anything sorry go ahead no yeah everything i've seen from from ryan condal and um all the things that he said about this show the interviews he's done has been very promising he's like such a big fan of the books and i think that he'll you know i i don't think he would go into this without mapping it all out but that's just my theory um I i think he's definitely very invested in the project so i'm hoping yeah yeah here's here's to hoping the best you know for the show and and it's and it's good news they reviewed it so soon that kind of gives you the impression that they were always going to but just like needed some of the executives needed to see big numbers come in and once they saw for episode one they you know their worries were they, they, they yeah they weren't worried anymore and they just said green light we'll go ahead with the plan that we always had in place which hopefully means they've got like you know, they're good for three or four seasons as long as numbers continue to be where they are. Yeah, I'm sure there was some concern, like even though there was a lot of money put into it and it would draw some people, I think there was understandably some hesitation about whether they could continue to draw the same numbers that Game of Thrones had had in the past because if it didn't, then you probably can't justify spending this much money on a show especially with the backdrop of the HBO merger and Mm. like layoffs they've had recently, you know, Netflix performance, like streaming is not in a great place right now. So you really do need, like they can't just exorbitantly spend money. It's, it's not going to work anymore. Okay. So let's wrap with, uh, I want to have something that we can kind of carry over from episode to episode review. I think a fun thing to do might be to just say, who do we think was like our top performer? of the episode episode two and who who was the worst so uh ryan who was your like mvp and and least valuable player sorry so you're gonna have to clarify a little bit what like um mm, like okay. top performer like you mean the best actor or do i just no 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 not that yeah, I... character who's whose character had the you know the best outcome of the of the episode had the most impactful moments whatever 
Well, I'm definitely going to give this one to Rhaenyra because she showed that she could stand off against Damon and his dragon, despite being uh, younger and less experienced and not really having much. Nobody was really showing any faith um, in her and her abilities. We saw that with her father. And he's like, when she's like, sorry, dad, about what happened at the small council. And he's like, you're, you'll, you're young, you'll learn. And uh-huh. uh, it was kind of like, uh, it's probably not what you want to say. You probably want to, you know, encourage her a bit more rather than discourage her from speaking up. So I think that that shows that she's willing to do what she thinks is best for good or for bad. And as far as uh, least in my mind or the worst i don't know definitely uh-huh. well i think definitely viscerous or viscerous um just because... i could see him showing up as a lot of uh, bottom <laughs> lot of bottom episode yeah <laughs> i was thinking about characters. it and i was like oh yeah definitely him i mean he goes against pretty much everybody's advice to marry um lena um and uh-huh. you know seal the valarians and targaryens back together and stabilize the realm and the future especially when uh daemon is just a huge question mark in everybody's mind and everybody's questioning him and i do i do get this vibe from him where he's like he's got his models of valeria it's it's almost seems like a child playing with like his train set right he's yeah it, it seems almost like childish like uh-huh. and and uh having read fire and blood i am starting to get the um i just relate him a lot to anus anus i don't know how to anus. pronounce it um it's Aegon the conqueror's son right mm-hmm. who he had two sons magor and anus and anus was kind of weak and he got taken advantage of and this is kind of what we're seeing from Viserys and unfortunately because of the father's weakness the family has to end up dealing with it and I think that's what's happening with Viserys he's he's just being a weak ruler not making the hard decisions that needs to be made and his family are going to have to pick up the pieces I agree Hayden what do you think uh, just kind of pick off uh, with what Ren was saying about um, Viserys, just to add one more thing. I, I thought about just now, I thought about the parallel um, from Game of Thrones about duty and love, you know, marrying for for duty or for love. Uh-huh. And Viserys the Rob, the kind Rob of Stark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Viserys kind of choosing that, um, you know, is, is kind of a, a callback to Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as characters go, I would definitely have to um, agree with uh, Rhaenyra as being kind of the star of this episode. Uh, she had a lot of big moments, um, you know, and a lot of really cool scenes from like praying in the sept to picking the next king's guard, um, and then to be like followed around uh, by Rhaenys the whole time, you know, and uh, just being like watched by her and then like actually standing up to her and ha- and being able to like hold her own was cool. And then obviously the Dragonstone thing with Damon, um, just to like prove how, how awesome she is and how she can get things done. And, uh, you know, recommending to the, to the council to use dragons um, when they should be used, you know, um, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, and then, yeah, as far as like the weakest, 
or yeah one of the characters who got like the <laughs> you know <laughs> whatever the the short end of the stick um uh i'd kind of have to go with uh damon on this one you know he puts together this whole story stealing an egg he goes through so much effort just to get his brother to come visit him you know <laughs> and uh he still doesn't uh-huh. come and instead he gets Otto, you know his least favorite person on the planet and uh it's just like you know he he just continuously kind of gets um uh-huh. sh- and, and, not, and in the process seen. in the process he makes his uh to be wife very upset at him <laughs> yeah exactly Nasaria. yeah and it and yeah that whole thing i don't know i just i, I just feel for damon i like damon i'm a damon stan <laughs> i'll say uh i think the character that accomplished the most yeah renard is a good choice i'm actually go with otto because the plans that he's uh laid here are coming to fruition it seems like at least and uh you know obviously getting your family kind of into the the top of the royal line is uh pretty well done so uh good for him even if we don't like him necessarily and then uh worst um i maybe just like on the other end of this conflict was corliss like he his plan he tried to right he tried to reach he he made a calculated reach as uh what was the name what's the name of that guy in the small council who was explaining this to the series is, is that like the master of coin or trade or something don't remember his name but uh, you know that was a pretty good breakdown of the situation. But unfortunately, Corliss did not play to the emotional side of things, which you kind of have to do with Viserys because that's what really uh, rules him more so than you know logic or duty. Uh, so, uh, well, you know, on on the good side, Corliss was able to looks like forge a, an alliance that'll be interesting going forward. He's kind of manipulating Damon a little bit there. Uh, so maybe not necessarily, you know, an all bad episode for him, but the big plan didn't work out. And Corliss was, correct me if I'm wrong, he was one of the characters that you were interested in seeing the most, right, Stephen? Yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan of him. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I loved his speech about like building his house from, you know, with yeah. the strength of his back. That was cool. <laughs> that was awesome. He's a, yeah. he's a cool guy. Uh, he he's got to He's got to read the king a little bit better, though. I think. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm really excited to see what follows um with this next episode we got a little bit of like the these flashes to the um the crab feeder and yeah. uh and it looks like um he's wearing like a mask from like the sons of the harpy you know like one of those masks yeah, but it's like it, it's like right. worn and i i think that might be what it is um you know i don't know huh. that, that'd be pretty cool there. and then also you can see he has grayscale um which you know in the book he's got the sickness but we don't really know what it is right and and now it's confirmed i guess that it's grayscale so can you remind me what was what's this what are the sons of the harpy they're the group over in uh i don't remember what city was it marine where daenerys Uh, is at you know the the rebel group the the, they're the ones that kill uh sir barristan in the show not the book okay um, maybe ryan can, needs a rewatch <laughs> i i definitely do i'm not sure if it's gonna happen anytime soon though uh-huh. um can you guys tell me if there has been any uh significant departure from the books 
at this point? Or the there, there's been there's I been a few. Remember. Yeah, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, Allison is a different age. Um, and you know, when when Viserys and Allison get married in the books, Allison is like 26 or something, and Viserys is like 36. Uh, they're like pretty close in age, maybe oh, nine or right. ten years apart. They made them closer, so the Allison Renara rivalry would be a little harder hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they so they made like Rhaenyra and Allison like best friends at the same age. And that is awesome change for the show because it, it, it creates a lot of drama, a lot of tension, um, which I think was, was really, really well done. Yeah, there were a couple of other ones, but I can't think of them right now, top of my head. But as I'm watching, I'm definitely, oh yeah, you know, with, with Damon um, and going to Dragonstone, I think in the book, he originally, um, like when he's banished uh, from King's Landing, Viserys tells him to go back to his wife in the Vale, and he does. Um, and then he like goes later on um, back to Masaria, takes her, whatever, and um, they go to Dragonstone. And then Masaria actually does get pregnant with his child. And I know in this episode, like she didn't, and they do get married. So that's interesting. I don't know if that'll come down, you know, later on down down the road. But they're kind of like using a, a few different plot lines and kind of combining them. It looks like interesting. Yeah, I I've read I read Fire and Blood not too long ago, but I don't remember nearly these this, this level of detail. Hayden, so I'm glad we have you here. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to like know at least what's like I know the big things that are going to happen, but I I've forgotten enough of the details where it's still entertaining to watch. And like I still don't know exactly how it's going to play out. And obviously neither do you because they're going to make departures. But it's fun to have like the outline, but not all the details. Totally. I think they're doing a great job. Um, it would be boring if everything was exactly the same. Um, and, and, and I, I want to give props to like the, the writers of the show, the people who are writing the dialogue, because there's been some really, you know, some really powerful lines in the show already that I think are really well written. And uh, for Game of Thrones, we had most of that already written in the books, like those, those really powerful line, one-liners um, were right. used from the, the the script of the book that we had you know and and these writers have to come up with the dialogue we don't really have a lot of dialogue in fire and blood mm. so pretty cool i think they're doing a great job all right on that note that's our review of episode two we'll uh try to get these out every week we may not get hidden every week but uh glad we have you here to you know may- maybe you can listen and let us know uh, what mistakes we're making and then when we get you back you can clear it all up for us <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks. Bye.